Hello and welcome to Walking the Earth podcast. I'm Mike Margulies. Today I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and I'm sitting here with my roommate, actually, Cindy Huang. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my roommate and also a woman of the world. Uh, <laughs> wow, it's a heavy title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it's pretty accurate. Actually, it's um, it's been really cool. Um, you just moved in to Baltimore from Richmond, actually, like a, was it a month ago? When you yeah, moved in. yeah. Um, I'm. It's really cool having you as a roommate because you actually, I think you do have a different perspectives. I mean, you grew up in China, moved to the states at age what? Uh, between eight and nine, I don't remember the exact time. Yeah. Sweet, and also spent time in South Africa. Yeah, I worked in South Africa for a TV station, which was really wild because you get to see a lot of what's happening in outside of the tourist areas and talk to people every day. So in a way, it's like you live an entire lifetime in that period of time. Yeah, know? yeah. Tell more about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember leaving South Africa and I remember learning all about the problems of that country, the personality mm. of the country all the different languages people spoke, um, you know, all the customs, you know, like, for example, there's sundowners are really popular there. And sundowners are when you, it's just drinking and eating on the beach while the sun sets. Like, it's a thing. There's a word That's for awesome. that there. It's so popular. Why isn't that a thing here? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why we don't get drunk to the sun going yeah. down every day. But, uh, yeah, so by the time I left, I just felt like, that experience it's like an entire lifetime okay yeah know? yeah well i guess like i understand that because traveling there's so much density of new things happening all the time and so it's yeah you get like much more dense in a, in a short period of time yeah of experience for sure for sure you're like i guess it's just there's no nothing's normal and you're in a different place right yeah everything is new everything is b bizarre and you have to make sense of it and i think it's different in, in when you go for a particular job, and I'm sure it's different for every job, but I had to come up with story ideas. So I had okay. to be like, what's happening in South Africa that I can write about? Right. You know, which involved going out and talking to people. And I remember actually, um, so like one of the things I remember the most is the African uh, National Congress, which is the primary party there, the party that overthrew, overthrew the uh, apartheid government uh -huh. in, in uh, no, Nelson Mandela's party. Right. Um, I re remember going to their rallies, and that's one thing here that I'll never forget. The political rallies in South Africa are like these giant, almost like, I, I hate using this word, but cultish party. Like everyone is dancing, everyone is clapping, and you, you go to these rallies and you're like, you feel like you're in a church almost. Yeah. And, and that this is more than politics to them. This is like their identity. This is their life. This is, they're, they're giving their hearts out to this. And yeah, it's yeah. kind of like propaganda, yes. But I mean, imagine being on a, a campaign bus and when it pulls up, everybody just runs out from their home and surround the bus and start dancing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, that's uh, actually, it's funny that the, the imagery of like the songs and dancing, it's reminded me a lot of like, things that have been going on in Baltimore, like just now, like right now, I've been going on to a lot of the protests um, in the, you know, the post-riot kind of area. Right now it's the, um, in Baltimore, is Monday was when the big riot happened after for Freddie Gray. And so the military is all around and other stuff. And there's a lot of things in the media that are showing that aspect of it. Um, but on the ground level, it's like a celebration. 
you know, there's like music and dancing and it's just like this. Um, that's the experience I've had the last few days walking around Baltimore City. It's yeah, I'm definitely following you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to put something positive out there. I yeah. don't know. Um, but I don't know, that's, that just reminded me, the, the imagery that you're talking about. Um, well, I, you know, it's interesting because the first ever protest, and I won't forget this, because this is the first protest I went to in Cape Town. Mm. And it was outside of a courtroom. And uh, I'm not sure how well familiar that this term is, but corrective rape is... What? A, corrective rape is a problem in in many parts of the world, what developing world. corrective? It, it, it is when... Um, it's when people are raped because of their sexual orientation the idea that they, you can be corrected so you're a lesbian and you can be exactly. raped into being straight so that's like a Holy thing shit. so, so it was outside of a courtroom and there was a, a, an advocacy group out right outside uh protesting but they were singing and dancing it was so bizarre to me because the issue was so dark but it's yeah. sort of like what you were you experienced like yeah I mean, what happened with freddie gray it's such a it's so dark and it's yeah it's brought on so much anger and violence but there's mm. also this 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 desire to come together. Yes. You know. Yes. To channel that energy into something positive, and I don't yeah. quite get it. I don't profess to know exactly what's going on, you know. But that's sort of like my very like surface level outsider perspective on yeah, it. Yeah, that's a really accurate view, and I'd say like yeah. So what happened is like um, you know it's a really terrible thing, but at the same time I think that um, out of like darkness you know comes a lot of light, you know. So in our times of strife and things are happening that are bad like that's where we have the even, even on like a personal level as a human being when i go through things personally like a really hard time that's an opportunity to grow and i think that's what we're going on what's happening in baltimore right now from like a um just on a ma larger scale right scaled up a little bit as a community we have this rough time going on and i think it leads way to something beautiful we, we all want that catharsis right we all want that beautiful reconciliation we all want to be, and that's what i've been seeing well it's also i feel like a showing of um unity yes you know yes that's another big part of it yes. it's sort of like we're here you know and yes we can make noise and chant but also like we we can come together through song and dance yes too, you know that actually yesterday was my favorite um of all the different stuff i've been at this week um you know for the different protests yesterday the cast of the musical marley so there's a musical in baltimore about bob marley's life the cast came out and they went to um, Pennsylvania and North, which has kind of been the epicenter of all this, the protest activity. And um, they were just singing Bob Marley songs, right? And I remember thinking, like, this is so perfect, you know? It was just this one love, you know? All the message that he was saying was, it was the, yeah. such a relevant message today. And I, I just thought that was a, it's a great figure. Um, you know, Bob Marley's a good person to think of as far as, like, the ideal we're starting. But at the same time, there's also the sense of, you know, get up, stand up, stand yeah. up for your rights, which yeah. is all kind of, stand up for yourself and, uh, you know, but as well, it, we all are trying to come together in love at the same time and unity, you know, and it's, I don't know, I found that to be really beautiful and cool. And I don't think this is necessarily something new because, I mean, you know, there's 60s protest music, yeah, you know, there's yeah. We Shall Overcome. Music has always been, like, I think, uh, a, a way for people to like push back and fight for their rights mm. and i didn't know this but you know i i thought oh, what is going on like why is to song and dance so important in not only politics but the protest culture in, in cape town and i was looking through some archive footages when the marches against apartheid 
they were all song like there were so many footage of people singing and dancing on the yeah, streets. Yeah, yeah. To overthrow apartheid, which is so not really your the first thing you think of because the first thing you think of is like the gorilla, the gunfights, right. you know. Um, but yeah, you know, song and dance. No, that's absolutely, and and I think that's um, it's very similar right here. Yeah, you can see images and news of buildings burning, all these things. There's also like what's happening is mostly song, dance, singing, and. And there's anger too, but it's all like, I don't know, to me, there's just, what I've seen being there is just this beautiful, mostly what you were saying, like the unity, everyone's together. Yeah. We all want this thing. We all want to come together. And that's, that to me has been the beautiful thing about this. And I want to throw another perspective mm. in there because what I, when we talk about protests, I think there's an, I have an interesting Chinese perspective as mm. well, because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody just thinks of China as like the, this mod, government that's just so overwhelming that no one protests but that's not necess- that's not necessarily true people protest well I- no it, it, it just happens in such a subtle way in china uh, okay so for example i think this is one of my favorite stories to tell um a couple uh, like there a while back i don't remember the dates but uh there, there's a high speed train crash in china and the government didn't want social media to be talking about it you know they wanted to control the narrative right. of this tra- train right. crash but people were trying to find out family members how bad it was where it was and people started to like t- write what they know from their family like on to like these tweet it out like, or something yeah well not well, Twitter, it's, way Twitter, more. Right? it's yeah. like chinese twitter okay <laughs> and china started blocking certain words that you can use like for example train the time the city and what happened oh, wow. was people started taking photos screenshots of what they've written and uploading as a jpeg uh... and, and i think i love that story because there's these small ways that people take are, are pushing back that right. don't get recognized because we think of protests in such a oh like everybody you know like the the selma thing you know but mm. it doesn't all look like that you know so yeah yeah so it, i also find that interesting and i, I, I yeah i think that's beautiful like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and people don't report on it but there are small scale protests happening all over china against the government mm. you know yeah i mean like the i guess what i would hear about is like you know tiananmen square of course and you hear these things which is it's weird because as an american you think about tiananmen square and you're like oh man that's so crazy that the government would come with the army and all this stuff and then you look around here in baltimore and it's like uh what's going on right now there's helicopters in the sky i and, remember and when i was guns. yeah no, for sure. <laughs> and i'm like wait what <laughs> it, it, it's so in, it's, we, i think there's a tendency to see everything through a western perspective and forget how much the world overlaps yeah it's sort of like us and them like oh this happens there not here yeah and i remember talking to someone and i'm like definitely guilty of this i mean I've, i grew up in china until i was eight but i was mostly educated mm. over here and i was talking to this guy who worked for cctv um and actually my language skills wasn't at, on par enough to keep up with him because he was so smart but i remember um t- t- talking about how he felt being a journalist in a country where the press is controlled by the government i'm like i don't understand how you can do this you know right. like, i mean don't you feel like the the purity of your job is being um you know dirtied by the government and he's like well why don't you look at yourself right and how, and how, how all your newspapers and tv are owned by big corporations yeah and he's like how your message is sculpted by big interests like big politics interests or big uh consumer interests and and i i don't know i mean i took i took a, took a step back and i'm like okay maybe it's i mean they're not the same thing you know i mean mm. i definitely think government saying you can't well, say this about us it's, it's definitively I, worse but 
No, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I read an article the other day, actually. It was how Baltimore would be portrayed right now um, if it was in a t- different country. You know, like, if what if this was in the Middle East somewhere? And you'd have some headline, you'd have the articles would say, well, the the ethnic minority group, black people, has been jailed more than the, <laughs> the ethnic majority group of the white people. Yeah. And the military has come in. Now, you know, you'd have a whole different... Think about how we portrayed the um, the uprisings in Egypt, for example. Right. Right? And, like... The sex. <laughs> yeah, there's... Um, yeah, and so there's, like, a... Uh, yeah, it, we, we look at ourselves, I think, differently than we look at other... And it's just as an individual yeah. human, too, right? Like, for it's sure. easy for me to, like, look at someone else and point out a different person's flaws. Mm-hmm. And what's mm-hmm. much more hard is for me to look into myself and say, okay, well, where can I grow? And we, it's very easy to externalize the enemy, the other, you know, and demonize and, someone else, and to, you know? To bring this back to lessons I've learned in other parts of the world, I think what you say is so true about self-reflection because mm. we take what our country... Because I think we're always the norm, right? Like, what's happening to us, where we live, that's the norm. And maybe that part of that is the message is driven by this, what's around us. Um, and part of that is just, you know, you know, our egos to think mm. whatever we experience is like the norm. But I remember going to South Africa and reporting every single day. Every single day, we report on issues of poverty, whether it's getting clean water, getting toilets, getting electricity. And I was like, oh my goodness, like we talk about these not only poverty issues, but like mm. basic living issues all the time. And I think about coming back here right. and we, how much we focus on middle class issues here. Here mm. we talk about education, we talk about healthcare. And of course it is you know, in some ways an issue of the poor, but mostly we, the newspapers and the TV stations write for the middle class yeah. and write stories that interest the middle class. Uh, and, and I didn't realize that until I went to South Africa and and spent all that time and see all these journalists covering the poorest of the poor. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's really fascinating, actually. Um, this, is, this is a really good point, actually. Because, you know, you go to, say, um, countries where the poverty is much more on the surface. Like, and so for me, I'll say I was in India, and there's a lot, you can just see it in front of you, a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think in the U.S., there is poverty, a lot of poverty that exists, but we just kind of, like, are almost blind to it. We just like we just kind of like shove it in a corner, and sweep it under the rug, and we kind of don't pay attention to it. And there's whole communities of people that are affected. And that's I think is what this is all about. There's communities of people that have been, I don't know, we we're almost blind to sometimes. Well, I mean that's the bizarre thing for me of this week because my phone's been blowing up with people being like, "Are you okay? Like, right. I can't believe what's happening." <laughs> and 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 you know and they're like they, they tell me that they think what's happening is surreal. But what's surreal for me is driving home and seeing. Like young people run and families walk their dogs on the street, <laughs> and then I get to my apartment and turn on CNN and we're looking at streets with looting and burning, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, where do I like? It's like two worlds happening yeah. within a couple miles of each other, and that's why you go back to what you said. It's these we're so separated, and of course, yeah. like you know, uh, of course I live here, so I'm in in a way part of the segregation, but. You know, but yeah, we just, live here, well, we live here in like, Canton. We both live here in Canton. Yeah, yes. which is in Canton uh, is like the, you know, mostly I'd say white, young, uh, middle class, like yuppie kind of feel to it. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, yeah. Very different than if you go like West Baltimore, you know, and you, the, you just look at the condition of the houses, for example, or like it's just a completely different atmosphere. Um, yeah, yeah. And 
yeah, no, there is a lot of segregation and it, that still exists today. Um, and, and it's very... Yeah, and, and you know, and these issues are definitely across the world. And because I remember talking to a reporter friend of mine in South Africa, it's the first time I was there, and she was telling me, um, by the way, she listens, her name is Paula Chow, she's a brilliant journalist. I think she actually just moved here, but she was a TV reporter for a long time in Cape Town, and she was telling me about how bizarre it, it is for her to go into these shanty towns. I mean, we're talking about towns where you have to walk to a toilet. You have to walk, like, a substantial distance to mm. go to the bathroom. And, um, you know, a, a, a candle falls down, and, like, ten homes are burned because they're all made out of cardboard and tin. These whole, like, everyone's kind of builds their own little shanty mm. home. And she saw how bizarre is it to work out of those areas and then go home to her, her, her nice apartment mm. You know, with like exposed brick and open and crack open a bottle of wine, and I think I, I've noticed how much people joke about race and poverty in a very dark way as mm. a coping mechanism. Yeah. So segregation definitely like it's not a, just an American problem, you know. Oh yeah, I think it's everywhere, and I think um, in a lot of the conversations that um, we've been having recently, it's uh, I think it comes down to like not understanding each other. You know, there's a lot of miscommunication that happens, and like I don't know, I think. One thing I'm going to try to do is like to maybe do some work that help the bridges. Maybe I can do a radio. I'm talking about a radio show in Baltimore, like a, um, you know, to connect people from different communities and allow people to have a voice to express themselves in a safe space. And I don't know, maybe some small way that can help or something. But I'd like to see that world move in that direction where we all maybe really make an effort to see each other. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, these issues are across countries. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Same stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it goes on everywhere, everywhere in the world, um, and it's it's as we come. It's hard, right? Because we all come from different places. Um, I mean, on the global scale, very obviously, we come from different places, speaking different languages. But even like within Baltimore City, like so, even within Baltimore City, itself, it's one city in one country. Um, there's enormous cultural gaps and living gaps and just conditions uh, just completely different ways that people grow up and experience reality just in this one small city uh, so if there's that much of a not understanding between people that exist in one place think about the whole world how much like not understanding there is between you know uh, say the US and China for example right yeah. like it, this, this, that just multiplies and magnifies and <laughs> and it comes down to as simple as getting people to step outside of these invisible boundaries I mean, it's actually mm. invisible. I mean, we talk about countries, and you know, there are some, there are military military enforced boundaries between countries. But in Baltimore, you know, people don't go. Their areas just don't go to. And I, mm. I mean, and I think the most recent example is D.C. I lived in D.C. for a year and a half, and there are parts of D.C. I would just never go to. Like none of my friends went there. Um, there were no events there, and I don't know what the answer, the solution mm. to that is. I don't know like how you can bring people from one area of the city to the other, to, so that you you don't have these pockets of um, poverty, right? You, you know, and you don't have these just lack of uh, this huge disconnect between people. That's part of it. You mean you don't go there, you don't understand the, you don't mm. talk to people there, like, and that's why I I think you know people feel so disconnected. Yeah, some people feel so disconnected, but I don't know what the answer is. I don't know the answer. I don't think there's a magic solution, but I think the way I, when I look at it now, it's sort of like humans always fear what they don't understand, you know. And so the more that we, and it's kind of a circular thing, right? Because 
I'm afraid of these this part of town, for example, so I won't go there. So I don't understand the people, the humans there. And then that breeds more fear. And it's kind of this vicious circle where we uh, fear breeds not understanding, breeds more fear. And so how do we address that? Well, I think we cut it off at the pass um, as you know, just as much as we can as individuals. Like, okay, try to bridge these gaps. Like, open up the communication. Let's try to open up the um, open up the communications. Allow allow people to help facilitate maybe people to better understand each other. I don't know. There's any one magic solution that's like overnight we're all going to be like not segregated anymore. Everything's going to be equal. But maybe like step by step, slowly, slowly, slowly. Um, yeah, we just. Each of us as individuals, right? I, I, I speak for myself, right? I can try my best to try to bridge communication barriers and understand people that I don't understand. Like rather than I see someone that is doing something that some part of me might have a reaction to and not agree with that, maybe I make an effort in my day to day life to try to understand that human being, you know? Yeah, That's for a, sure. Yeah. And I catch my the thing is I think one I, I'm speaking just for myself. I think it's sometimes really hard to let your barrier... Like, you, we put up these walls, mm. you know, and we don't think we do, but we do. Yeah. I mean, we, we assume things about people, and we don't think we do, and we do. Yep. And I've, I've met so many people that I've... Um, that, you know, a couple days after meeting them, I'm like, wow, I made a lot of judgments about this person before I even spoke to him. You, you know, and yeah. I, then I, but then I realized that, and I try not to do it again. And I think yeah. for a lot of people we that I it. know, they don't, they don't come to the point where they realize that they, they you know. It's really hard to do. Yeah. It's really, really hard to do. Um, but it's, it's our natural tendency to kind of like, yeah, we don't understand something, fear it, and anything that's bad, we, we want to put it on the other. We don't want to take responsibility. We, you know, we'd ra- it's easier to say that person did something wrong than to say, oh, I had a perception that that was maybe not completely informed. Yeah. That's a lot, um, that's a really, really difficult task. I'd like, I really believe this though, because, I mean, even here, I, even on this thing, I've made a few things that I don't, that's, for example, agree with the militarization of the city right now, the curfews and all these things, right? But I'm also, I have to caution myself there, lest I get on the path of trying to demonize, like, well, it's the politicians and it's the police and it's the, you know, I don't agree with systemically what's going on here. I think it's, like, that's, it's, it's potentially a dangerous direction, but also could be a beautiful direction if we come together. Um, but I know I talk to each. I've talked to individual National Guard members and That's, police you're officers. You're so right about that. Yeah. And they're all good people. Yeah, you know? people but, are good. Yes. Yeah. And it's like so. How I guess for me, it's like a question of how do we um, address the fact that there is social change that needs to happen. Um, we need to. We want to make positive social change without demonizing each other and pointing fingers and making blame at individual people as bad, but Instead of, I guess, maybe the questions, instead of telling people they're bad, how do we help people bring out the good in themselves? Wow, I did, <laughs> if I had the answer to that. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Um, open question. Yeah. I ask myself this question, I, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, well, actually... We've strayed quite away we, we have. Well, this from is, my travels. We have strayed away, but I guess it's just relevant to what's going on. I mean, yeah. uh, let's talk about your travels, though, actually. We'll, we can come back and explain and say about Baltimore, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> I don't know, but I would like to, you know, growing up in China, maybe you can even draw parallels to this. Like, uh-huh. um, you know, you, you have a perspective, let's say, on communication gaps between, say, China and the U.S., let's say. What do you think about that? Huh, well... You know, I'm not 
exactly from a, a perspective of growing up in China? How do I feel? Hmm. You know, I don't know if I can answer that question. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, only because I haven't been following the what's the conversations between U.S. and China. Okay. But I will. But I can. I think what I can talk about outside of politics is how China is talked about in the West. So maybe it's、mm. similar, but not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it is similar. Very similar. Because I think it's we can never talk about. A group of people, with in, in general ways, but then again, like because of time constraints and because you know there's only so many,、um, you know, square. There's only so many, so many inches in the newspaper. Yeah, so you know, just personally as a journalist, you don't、yeah, have、exactly. so many like. So we do do that. I mean, we talk about what's happening in Baltimore. You know, we don't talk about a block of people like they all have the same problems. They all suffer. They all think the same way. But because the way there's time constraints. To how much you,、uh, to how you can tell the story, we turn to gen- t- tend to generalize, and I、mm. find that a lot. That's how people view China a lot. It's like they're they're either,、mm. um, you know, spoil princes because of the one child policy with no desire for for change because everybody's con- so everybody's so focused on wealthy wealth and material they don't care about politics. Like that's one thing narrative I've heard of China.、Mm. And the other narrative is you know these poor Chinese workers who are. Exploited, and they live like eight people to a bunk, and、um, you know they, you know, barely get by, and I, and so I find that a lot of it is really general,、mm. you know,、um, and they don't understand the complexity of、um, these different kinds of people. And I remember this story、um, a couple、uh, years ago. There, a video went viral of a Chinese girl. Who、um, was hurt on the side of the road? I think a car hit her or something. She had an accident, and everybody drove by her and didn't help her.、Oh. And then the, the whole narrative coming,、uh, you know, being in America and watching it come through the American media channels was that look how callous China is. Look、mm. how、uh, apathetic they are. And I and then I remember I talked to a Chinese friend of mine who's actually Chinese, who like you know moved here very recently, and I asked her why this is happening, why no one helped her. She said. Well, you know that town is a very poor area, and in China, you go to the hospital, and you can't pay for care. They won't care for you. So there's a lot、oh. of context that was missed,、wow. and I think, like, I mean, if we talk about communication, it's just like you know maybe they see us as cow. They see the U.S. as like cowboys, and you <laughs>、right. know.、Um, right. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think that's what's lost. The context is lost, and therefore the communication is flawed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, I can draw parallels too. Like, it could be、um, maybe there's a a poor man on the street in the U.S. that is asking for help, and so many people walk by him. Is that is, is that any different than the person whose car, you know? Yeah, it's you know. So I, can, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But、That's、you know, an interesting point. It's easy for、that. us to yeah. Look what look at China. Look how callous they are. And like, oftentimes I think when we criticize others, we it's really something in ourselves. Or、so. it's like look how much they pollute their rivers,、right. and their air. And we're trying to feel better about ourselves in a、yeah. sense too. You know,、yeah. it's like no. I I think you're right though. There's just this.、Um, there is a lot. It it's a lot of not understanding. You know, and there's generalizations that it, come into it. 
And I, you know, as a reporter, one thing I, I think one of the most valuable lessons I've learned in the last year was is how much history and context matters to a story. And mm. I think that's why Ezra Klein, you know, um, left the Washington Post to start Vox because he wanted to write stories that had a lot of context in it because things don't happen in a vacuum. Right. You know, and I think understanding so many people don't take the time to do that, you yes. know. I mean, for example, if you and I had a disagreement and we had a fight, Mm -hmm. right, over something, I think it's so easy to be like, oh, Mike is a jerk. Or like, oh, Mike is just being stupid. Cindy's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But then I can find out, like, what is, why does this annoy you? Like, Mm. what in the past has caused you to be irritated about this thing? You know, and I'm speaking abstract here, but I think you know what I mean. No, I know. There's, like, complexities to a situation. It's never just, like, this one person did this thing and it happened on its own yeah it's, exactly there's there's all kinds you have I mean, to understand and that's and that's really relevant to say the riots here you yeah know, it's like oh oh my god that's so relevant <laughs> context and history yeah exactly so many people miss that yeah like, there's a less tendency to be like oh there's these rioters and like yeah that is though there's a few bad apples in there and there's and we write it off until they demonize some people but uh, yeah it doesn't happen in a vacuum these riots are um they're more a symptom the, of something deeper than they are um, just something that happened. You know, they aren't just something that just happened. They are a symptom of something. And I think it's um, it's very easy, maybe, to... Um, it, uh, there's a lot of times where the people that are, in many ways, the most powerless and victimized of all are being blamed. When, like, in this overall, in the system as a whole, yeah, these rights happened, but, like, maybe the that human being who physically set the fire was maybe the most powerless and victimized person of all. I don't know. Um, thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think that when reporters write these stories, it's so important to go at it from more than one angle. Because I, I do, you know, it's not, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard for me to speak as an outsider. I'm, I'm always very hesitant, mm. be, you know, to speak as an outsider. And part of it is just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a reporter. I'm so afraid I'll get it wrong, you mm. know. Um, but I think it, 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 like, God, as much as people shy away from complexity and we want to see things in a very straightforward way, right. there's just no way. The world's a complex there's and interconnected. There's no way, especially what's happening now. There's just mm. no simple way to understand who's right and who's wrong. And, you know, I feel for, I feel for so many people, and they're not just the writers or the or the families of the police officers, you know? And I think, like, it's everyone's problem. It's yeah, not... It is. You it know? Is. And, I, and I'm, and i you know, I also feel for... Okay, so I'm going to sit there and I'll empathize with the guy who lit the fire. I'm also going to empathize with the six police officers. Here's a, yeah. here's a crazy thought that most people won't... Maybe haven't thought about, but the six police officers that have been arrested, yeah. obviously, I don't... It's a terrible thing what happened to Freddie Gray, but I worry that these people are being scapegoated in many ways. There's this again, it's a sense of it's the other. Well, there are these six bad apples, and we we tend to like find the bad humans and say these are the bad humans that are the cause of it, rather than looking at the system as a whole. Like what is going on? We're all interconnected. We're all part of this. It's not like there's well, there was just that one guy who lit a fire, or it's that one cop who killed this person. Like, and we we like to try to again, we push it in a corner and say this is the it's this person. It's this. And we don't look at it. We'd say we isolate ourselves from it, but it's like maybe we understand that we're all kind of part of this whole interconnected system. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's so it feels so daunting to be like, oh, how are we gonna fix 
you know, people who feel isolated and neglected, who feel like the resources that are available to you and me are not available to them. Like, you know, it just feels so big. And I, I um, you know, I feel overwhelmed thinking about it, but I think it, it comes down to just what you were saying, small things. It's not, mm. it's not a Russian literature theme, this idea of like small kindnesses. Yeah. Small chains is ultimately the biggest way to get to revolution. And, yeah. um, you know, so on an individual level, it's just attempt to understand someone who you haven't understood before. Yeah. Think of something you've been, in, you haven't tried to, someone you have never tr- tried to talk to before. Yeah. You know? Um, read a news blog that you never read because you don't think you agree. You know? Yeah. Like, Maybe, you know, you read, um, I don't know, a conservative news blog if mm. you're a liberal. Or maybe you read a paper that c- comes out of a niche paper. You mm. know, maybe LGBT paper or maybe it's an African-American paper. But do, read something that you don't typically read. Like, yeah. just start there. It's so simple. Yeah. But I think it helps. And talking to different humans that you see in your everyday life that you maybe you wouldn't have talked to, you know. Like, yeah, I, I, absolutely agree with you it's, yeah uh, we all like it's in ourselves we each individually have a lot of power to to make change and you know an individual is not going to change the world but um well maybe you do in a ripple effect way because we are all connected so as as i as an individual i'm doing things people around me are doing these things and so yeah you know this is i think this is the way that we can progress social changes like and it's not in trying to prove who's right or wrong you read someone a different point of view yeah. it's not to like I think, for me at least, I try to read it when I'm when I'm on my game and I'm acting, you know, in good ways. Yeah. I'm just trying to empathize, understand, you know, where this human's coming from. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, good thoughts. All right. So now I'm gonna turn it around and ask you another a question personally. Okay. Um, and the question I ask at the end of these episodes okay. is, what's something that you would like to do in your life that you haven't done yet? What's something that I'd like to do in my life? Wow. Um, well, like places to go, anything. Anything in the universe. Anything in the universe. Huh. Or it could be something very simple, something you want to do tomorrow. <laughs> well, I always had this thought of how cool would it be to, um, I've never road tripped before. Believe it or not, I've never road tripped yeah. before. I've never like gotten to a car and driven from one city to another to another, eating like what, whatever local diner there is. And I've always wanted to. You know, the, the great American road trip. I yeah. think it's such a, there's such an iconic, like, feel to doing something like that. I've never done it before. So, something I plan, I hope to do. Now, I think this year my vacation is booked up, but next year, maybe I'm going to re- be like, next year my goal is save 10 days of vacation. Yeah. For, a, and plan or plan something like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome. Actually, our friends Adam and Alex are going to be coming back from a road trip. They could probably give you some tips, too. Yeah. Um, and there's like so many a... ways you can do media projects. Like, maybe you take a recorder. Yeah. And every diner you go to, you talk to someone. I don't know, but, like... That would the... be cool. Talk to a different human being at different places I... along the way. Yeah. I remember <laughs> there was a... The last year, the year before that, I did, a, I did a story about photographers who document the American road, right? Some of them focused on landscapes like what what does a landscape look like from the inside of a car others did roadside attractions like gas stations diners mm. 
but the idea is like this is how we experience America now. Like you experience America in a car, you know, and it's not. I remember like you know, old old America is portrayed as like this majestic wilderness, you know, like but the bald ego over these really beautiful nature scenes, and then what these photographers are saying now is, yeah, you know, not everyone just sees、uh, these. Great parks anymore? Like、mm. people mostly see America on a highway. Right. <laughs> so I always thought, well, I would love to do a project. I haven't thought of what it would it be, but just go on a road trip and do a, a project documenting it. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm. That sounds interesting to me. I'd. I'd watch it. <laughs> I, have, I have one audience member.、So. Yeah. So far. I know, and this is. I mean, it's to the same things we've been talking about. Like you talk to different people all around this country, for example. That's, yes. That's a whole bunch of different perspectives. That's and, great. Yeah. And so it's. I think I would. Yeah, something like that. I, I think that's beautiful and awesome. <laughs> thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Thank、yeah. you for having a great answer. <laughs> cool.、Um, awesome. Well, any parting thoughts, wisdom? Well, okay. I I'll say a couple of things、yeah. um, before we go because I think this is if anyone's at list like a, a listener who follows to the end and you know I know this day and age like I write for newspaper I don't even know who reads the last sentence right <laughs> but uh, uh, you know if you go like Cape Town is the most beautiful beautiful place I have ever been we're talking about like mountain ranges next to oceans low clouds like it, it it's stunning it like actually it sounds so corny and I hate. Saying this, but it like almost made me cry one day, you know.、Uh. And so I I would say like you you know you you have to go. It's just so beautiful. And the other thought I have is about food in China.、Mm. Um, I think like it, every time I go from China to America and I go to a grocery store, I feel like I'm like, why don't we sell more veg? Do you know there's so、yeah. many more vegetables you can eat? There's like you can. There, I I would say probably there's like. At least fifty more types of vegetables that aren't sold、really? at your Safeway giant <laughs> that people in China eat on the regular. Because every time I go there, like I go to the supermarket, there's just so many more options, and I don't understand why we don't eat them here. Yeah, I think it has to do with marketing or something. But anyway, that was my that's my that's my thought on China. If you You go to China. Just pay attention to how. And eat your we- vegetables. Yeah, vegetables. <laughs> go to a supermarket in China and just notice how many more options you have for food. It's absurd. It's it's ridiculous. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah.、Um, I felt like I eat a lot more fruit and vegetables, and I was out in India and Southeast Asia actually than I do in America. Yeah, for、so、all fruits too. There are a lot yeah, of weird fruits. Yeah, I mean, I not like, weird, but just not marketable in the U.S. Apparently. Yeah, we're much more, I guess, meat focused, grain focused. I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting observation. We do have like a、ones. thousand flavors of yogurt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Cool. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. For, thank you. Uh, yeah. For doing this project. No, no. My pleasure. It's really fun, and I, you know, it's good. I'm glad to have had a conversation with you in a different context, actually, than just when we're sitting here, because we, I think, we talked about a lot of things that yeah we haven't even talked about yet. So yeah, that's、really、true.、Cool. That's true. Um. So yeah, thanks for sharing so much. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you everybody at home for listening to Walking the Earth podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at WTE Podcast, and our website is WTEPodcast dot com, where you can find all this info and all the maybe some links to things we mentioned this episode too. We'll post those up there as well. WTEPodcast dot com. Thanks again for listening. Mike and Cindy here from Baltimore, saying goodbye for now. What do you say? How do you say goodbye in in Chinese or in yeah? Uh, it'd be 再见
Okay, cool. And do you know any of the local uh, dialects? Oh, I really wish. I did not. Okay, cool. Well, farewell. Namaste. May the force be with you all.